House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Now we are at the interview part of the show. Uh, today we have an international best-selling writer, and um, she's got lots of books out. It's pretty amazing, actually. And uh, so we're going to talk to her about the new book coming up, and also kind of the history of uh, how she got into writing. Um, thank you for being here, Patricia Logan. Thank you very much, Al. I'm excited. Um, <laughs> don't be. Don't. <laughs> It's just, We're terrible people, yeah. actually. So yeah. It's probably not going to go well. Yeah, doesn't matter. <laughs> now, wow. now, now, on these books, so where did you start writing? Like, how come, um, like, you've got a ton of books out. How many have you got out now? You've. I like, don't know. <laughs> 64, I think, oh, or something. Oh. I think, yeah, I think I'm about ready to publish my 65th. I don't know. I lost count. I really, I don't keep count anymore. Wow. But um, I try. Um, and then I've got, that's in English, and I've got another, I don't know, 38 or 9 in Italian. I have four in French and one in Spanish. So are you writing specifically for those those languages, or they're just being translated? Those are translations. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So I tested different markets. Uh, I started with the uh, French market, and it was received really well, and then I... I moved on to Italian, and I broke into that market about six or seven years ago. And surprisingly, they are, you know, for what I write, um, gay mystery, they are insane for this stuff. They love it. So, and, and like 99% of my readers in Italy are, um, are straight women, and uh, which is a little bit higher than it is in the English language. So um, they are just, you know, for a Catholic country, boy, they just love my gay sex. They're, they're, <laughs> they're a dirty, dirty Catholic. Uh, dirty, dirty, <laughs> dirty girls. Yeah, dirty, I'll say. Now, so when you, what do you think it is about, uh, why did you choose French and then Italian, and was there, um, was there a reason? And then uh, why do you think that they love this type of work? so much is there something oh different? who knows i'm such an awesome author <laughs> i don't i i don't know i mean um you know i the first books that i published in those languages were uh bdsm and in the same genre the the uh, male male genre and they just love them and uh you know we all have our kinky side so i i published a series that was really popular over here that i had released Eight, starting eight years ago, and um, the first series that I released over there was in Italy was a was a serial. So it was actually seven books that were like a continuation of the others. Not not uh, a, you know there was no happy ending at the end of each one. It was a continuation until it got to the last you know kind of ramping up to the last book. And you know they just they I don't know they just ate it up. What can I say? I don't know what happened over there, but then I started publishing the mystery stuff. All of my books have a touch of mystery in them anyway, um, but then I started publishing the mystery stuff over there with my Death and Destruction series, and they went, you know, ape for it. They would just love that stuff. So, wow. um, that's, 
I just wonder, but like, so now in in general, so when you're laying out your books here, when you're writing the the um, um, the basic manuscript, and you have a um, probably a formula of some sort, um, is it based in male male romance that goes into mystery, or is it based in there's a mystery that happens to have male to male characters? Like which which angle do you take it from? Well, I always have at least two main characters and I say at least because there's a couple that books that I've written that have had, you know, male, 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 but I don't really do threesomes anymore. I like to stick to two main characters. They sell better and they're better received and I have a wider audience for them because a lot of, a lot of people don't like multiple pairings. So I stick to the male, male for the most part at this point. Um, so I'll start with two main characters that I really like and develop their personalities and then um, what my concept of what the series is. Like my, my most popular series, the Death and Destruction series, which I started writing back in 2015 and was actually first published in 2016, was a, an ATF. There are two ATF agents. And I had been reading um, FBI agents and, uh, I don't know, uh, cop series. There's a lot of different, you know, types of like subgenres within male romance, and I thought that nobody has written ATF agents, so why not? You know. Plus, when I I did some research on them, I found out that there's a lot of stuff that you can do with ATF agents. They that particular agency covers a lot of of things that you wouldn't expect it to cover, like fireworks, mining explosions, um, uh, nerve gas. Uh, obviously weapons, um, tobacco, and uh, bombs. I mean, there's a lot of excitement that you can get from the ATF, so I thought, why not write a series like that? So the romance develops over time, but when I actually conceptualize what the series is going to be, I concentrate on individual cases, one of which is solved in each book as they go along with the same two characters, and then a cast of characters that kind of is added along the way. So <clears throat> my guys, my law enforcement agents, they work with other agencies. So I've brought in the FBI, the LAPD, the CIA. I mean, there's a whole bunch of agencies that are all working together, unlike reality, where nobody talks to anybody. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's how it, it kind of comes together. So, so when you do that, but um, I wonder, um, your characters, do you have a place that you draw from? Like, do you, do you know these people in real life and you kind of build off of that? Or is it someone you've run across at a coffee shop or you've seen them in a store? Or is it, like, where do, where do you draw to create a character? Well, okay, I'm an avid mystery watcher. I watch mysteries, I watch action programs, I watch, you know, um, uh, films like, you know, Die Hard, and I've got guys like Bruce Willis jumping off of buildings, and my guys jump off of buildings, and then I've got, you know, car chases and explosions and all this stuff going on. So my books read like a film would if you were watching them. So they're all packed full of action, and meanwhile these guys are trying to solve you know, a case to get to the end of the case and 
wrap it all up, there's always really evil bad guys and there's kind of mediocre bad guys and then there's always twists and turns um, because I like to take my readers on this kind of journey through, you know, my books like like a film reel, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Um, and I forgot your question. What was it? <laughs> well, where do you get your characters from? <laughs> like, uh, the reason, oh, like oh. we've talked to different authors, and like you know, you have J.D. Horn, and he said that if if he hates you, he puts you in his book and he kills you. Um, like he, I've he, got those. Yeah. So, like, it's it's we're kind of what's your general? Uh, like I said, where do you get your characters from? People you know, people well, you run across. They're they're a composite of a bunch of different action heroes that I've watched on television or read in books and then thrown in with my real life experiences and things that I've actually lived. And I, I write like my most comical scenes because um, I write, there's always comedy in my books. My most comical scenes come from real life because they're just stupid and they just happen, you know, but um, it's either something that's happened to me, my kids, my husband, or, or somebody that I know. And I'll actually put my characters in that situation and I'll write, you know, that. But my characters themselves are a composite of, you know, people that I, that I have watched on television or seen or read in a book or, you know, what have you. Um, in my latest book, one of my characters picks up a Nancy Drew mystery that he finds in an apartment where he's, you know, been kidnapped and he's sitting. And I read Nancy Drew mysteries when I was a kid. So, Stuff like that from my real life comes into the the whole book, and that's gonna that particular scene is gonna figure into this entire series. It'll it'll be carried throughout this entire series. Well, that's pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty interesting. So, how do you develop the characters? Like when you have a series of books like that, and you have a character that's in it in in three or four books. How do you build off of that? Like, how do you know what direction to take them in and what kind of person they're going to be? Does that happen naturally or just, it just, it, that's just kind of, that's the most interesting <laughs> to me. I'm a true crime writer, so I can't choose mm -hmm. that about my characters. They are who they are, and, and I've just right. got to put that out there. But you actually will decide what they're going to do and where they're going to do it and stuff like that. So you've got to develop a lot of character and personality to that person. Does that sure. make sense? So I'm just wondering, like, what, yeah. what, what makes you, how do you, how do you arrive at that? I think, you know, what, when I'm reading a book, I want to delve deep into somebody's soul. So when I write a character, for example, uh, Damon Thorne, who's my main character, who is a former CIA operative in my latest book, Clean Up on Isle Mine, he has a very dark past. Obviously, he was a CIA operative, and he's lived in some pretty war-torn regions, and he's seen some pretty dark stuff. And so when I write his character, I'm coming from his point of view. Then his foil, his the other main character in the book, is is um, Jude Chenoweth, and he's the, the very spoiled, very rich kid who's the son of a California... United States, California, uh, senator of, from California, and um, his father is a very homophobic Republican, and so Jude has is breaking all the rules. He's going out there and embarrassing his father, and he's on the gay scene, and he's doing whatever he can to get into the 
papers and to be just a jerk because he really doesn't agree with his father's politics. So by putting two opposites together, that kind of creates this amazing uh, chemistry. And so that automatically is, is fireworks right there. Do you, do, do you find that, like, so some of the uh, gay crime mystery writers we've interviewed and um, gay male-male romance and stuff like that, that just the, or the dramas and stuff, do you put, some people put sex in their, in their books, some don't. How do you feel about that, and what, what, where do you draw the line? Okay. <clears throat> I think because I've been doing this a while. I have probably written my fair share of sex scenes that are pretty graphic. And when I was writing the BDSM stuff, obviously that was had no choice but to be an erotic, labeled an erotic romance, quote unquote, um, because that's what it was. But there's always there's always a story there anyway. It's not just sex. But I kind of got labeled as that for a while. I mean, I really was known for writing BDSM books for a long time. I had written like 15 of them in a row, and I was like, I am so burnt out on this. I cannot find one more way to spank these guys, one more bench to mend them over. I don't want to whip them anymore. I'm just tired of hurting these guys. So I decided that I was going to really concentrate more on the mystery side of it. And so then my books got longer, 100,000 words, 400 pages if you're reading it in a paperback and so that I had time to develop the mystery and when you're doing that you don't come to a sex scene and ma until maybe uh, halfway through the book or three quarters of the way through the book and then and even then they're much m much there are much less of them so in a long book like that in a novel length book like that you might find three or four sex scenes at most and a lot of them are just very romantic a lot of them are on the page um, sex and a lot of them are off the page sex but um, so I, I found that as I've I guess grown as an author that I like to concentrate much more on the plot much more on the story much more on solving the mystery much more on solving the case than and, of course, have the romance there as well. Have them falling for each other. Have them, you know, learn each other and to know each other inside and out, to fall in love. That's really important. So um, it's not all sex for sex's sake. That's really interesting. Why do you think females... Uh, you were talking about that, how, you know, 99% in Europe, and, and it's, it is a high percentage in, even in the States and Canada. Why is there such a high percentage of straight females reading male-to-male -male, uh, relationships and, and sex and mystery and all that stuff? Why do you think it has such a huge audience? Oh, well, okay, I'll, I'll give you from my point of view, and I've, I've talked about this a lot over the last, 12 years that I've been writing. Um, from my point of view, I grew up reading, you know, the, my mom's paperbacks, her, uh, what do you call them, Harlequin romances, which have no sex at all. They're all off, off the page. And they were always male, female romances. And, you know, it was, they were too soppy, too sweet, too bleh. 
And then I moved into the stuff that I started reading as a teenager, which were also male-female, because there was no romance back then. <clears throat> we're talking the 70s and the 80s. And that was... Um, the, the women were weak and and desperate, and the plots were all the same. And in a different, you know, the the characters were all the same. The females were all the same. The males were all the same. And they, except they were set in a different mansion, in a different boat, in a different ship, I should say, because of a pirate, or in a different place. But they were all the same. So I just decided that. You know, I wanted to do something different. And when I had a, um, when the market had this downturn, I started, I kind of started looking at, you know, what was out there to read. And I started realizing that there's this whole new genre that I hadn't seen before. And I realized that the people reading it, were women, and the people writing it were women for the most part. Um, and I thought, why is that? And so I started researching it, and I started going on Facebook, which was new at the time, and asking other women why they were reading it, which were, for the most part, straight women, or somewhere on the spectrum, um, and asking them why. Why were they writing it? Why were they reading it? And they all told me the same thing. It's because I don't think we're wired the same way that everybody else is wired. I think that um, just like gay men are not wired like like straight men. I don't know. Or bi men. I mean, there is there is a spectrum there. That's why we call it the LGBTQ pers- you know, spectrum, the rainbow. We are all different. So when I started discovering that and I started finding like-minded people and then all of a sudden in between about 2000 to about, I don't know, 2015, the genre just exploded. And we went from having maybe 30 writers that wrote it, most of them female, uh, to, you know, maybe, God knows, uh, three, I don't know, a thousand now that write it. And, um, I mean... The still the majority that write it are are female, and the consumers of it are female. So, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's the way we're wired or something. You know, when um, speaking to some of the other authors, um, some people have said to me that um, uh, what it is is um, females um, they enjoy more romance and more intimacy in a different way than males do. Males tend to be just, you know, wham and get it off. And and um, mm-hmm. and with the um, male-male, they get to see uh, an intim- intimacy from males that they don't mm-hmm. normally see in a straight romance. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that, I've heard that a few times now. It is true. And, um, you know, first of all, Straight women are the biggest consumers of romance in anywhere in the world, and so naturally, if you're writing romance, that's what that's what you're going to find. But I've got a lot of male author friends who write um, gay romance, and they're amazing. And the stuff they write is sometimes so romantic it just makes your teeth hurt. I mean, they could be more, they could be sweeter and more loving and more 
amazing and precious than than some female writers. But I don't know. I mean, it. I can't explain it, but the intimacy is a big part of it, and the romance. Because you know, we're, what can I say? We're just romance consumers. That's what we we read, and that's what we write. Hmm. Now, does it? Now, there's also I get this from people as well, and I hear this in the community. There's some sort of backlash for uh, females writing male-male romance and stuff. Has that affected you at all? I think it's not there as much as it used to be. It's kind of an it's kind of old news at this point. But I've been around a while. My I was first published um, ten years ago, so that was a, a discussion that continued on for several years when I was doing this in the early years. And it's just not, I don't think that as much of a conversation as it used to be. And anytime it's brought up, people say, you know, we've had this conversation a million times and it's not that big of a deal anymore. Um, I think that perhaps um, gay men writing in this genre, I don't know. I don't know what the reason was, but I, I, I don't want to touch that one. I don't know what it is. I think that there's a place for everyone in this genre, and I hope that that both men and women are going to be treated equally and, and fairly in, in, you know, by our consumers, by our readers. So who are, who are your, some of your, um, I don't know what do you want to call it. Who do you like to read, and who who has an influence on on your writing? These days, yeah. Um, I I'm actually reading one of my very one of the only sci-fi uh, male male books that I've read in a long time, and it's amazing. It was written by an author called Lynn Gala J L A. And I don't know whether Lynn is a male or female. I'm sorry, I don't. But it's called Earth Fathers Are Weird. And it's absolutely hilarious. It's got tentacle sex. And it's just charming. Um, I love Lily Morton. She is a British author who writes the most amazing, romantic, angsty, just purely romance stories that are just amazing. The emotions, every time I read one of her books or listen to one of her books, I end up bawling. Um, but she always, she, God, she writes, um, her stuff is just, it's amazing. Um, another one of my friends who writes Hawaiian mysteries is A.J. Llewellyn. She lives here in, close to me in Los Angeles, and she is a good friend of mine, and she writes the most amazing mysteries you should really talk to her on have her on your show. She she writes fantastic mysteries. She's got I think over three hundred books published. Um, another author who I love, who was one of my very first authors that I ever read in the genre, is G. A. Hauser, who's also a good friend. She lives up north in California, and she writes everything. She's got. I don't know, close to 200 books published, and she's written in every single genre you can imagine, subgenre, I should say. She's written cops and cowboys and shifters and vampires and whatever. You name it, she's written it. She's just incredibly influential. I love her writing. And, again, she she's one of these people that is like me. She writes romance. 
She writes great sex, but she writes incredible romance. And I'm just, I mean, you know, I love the genre. So I read a lot. I listen a lot. I've always got headphones in my ears if I'm doing dishes or housework um, when I'm away from the computer. So there's a lot. Uh, but that's who I'm listening to these days. Back in the day, I used to list, read a lot of Stephen King, Tom Clancy, James Patterson. Um, I mean, you know, I've always been a mystery fan from way back when. Do you see yourself kind of um, going away from this this type of writing and going into a different sub category? You know, like maybe uh, you know true crime or um, something else, or do you? Is this just something you're going to keep doing? You think? You know, I've. I think I'll keep doing it because I've got a, an incredible amount of fans out there that are, you know, always that follow me and, and want more and more from me. And I've got more and more stories in my head. The true crime, I think you're talking about some uh, the stuff that really happens, that has really happened. The, um, like the Black Dahlia yeah. is a true story about, yeah. You know... It's interesting. I don't know if I could ever write that, um, a nonfiction type book, because it's just not my thing. I just have to have the romance there. I have to have the the love component. Hmm. That's interesting. That's really interesting. What do you, what do you, you know, so when someone comes and buys uh, Patricia Logan's book, any one of them, uh, what is it mm -hmm. you hope that they come away with? After they read it, what is it you're hoping that they get out of the book? I hope that they're going to get the conclusion that they had expected, that they wanted, that they um, they have fallen in love with my guys and been there along the way as they fell in love with each other. I hope that they've gotten a little bit of social consciousness after they read it because Although I don't put a lot of politics on my page, sometimes in my writing I can't help but have my true colors come out, which are, you know, liberal and and very much pro-LGBT and very much an ally. And I hope that they'll be happy. You know, I want them to be happy and satisfied, like you've just eaten this amazing meal and it's been topped off by this incredible dessert. That's how I hope that they feel and that they want to open the next book hmm geez I thought you would be a conservative <laughs> yeah you think so right yeah because I live in Southern California because we're all conservative down here <laughs> yeah it's a big it's a big uh, den of Republicans um, oh god yeah I don't well, live in Bakersfield <laughs> I was going to say so how does how does something like that affect you like nowadays like in today's time so you're writing um, a book right now and so when things like um, COVID-19 are out there and things like um, you know the Black Lives Matters and Me Too and you got all the protesting and the fighting and you got all the uh, people I'm not wearing masks and you get all this all this stuff going on um, mm -hmm. Does that darkness itself get incorporated in your writing, in your book somehow? You know, no. I don't, I try to not let it get in, 
incorporated in my books, not the dark part of it. Um, in 2015, I had gone to a conference in Austin, Texas. It was a build as an author's conference, and they there were several of my friends had gone had were going there that were also authors, and they lined up all the LGBT authors in one row at this convention center where they held this conference, and this is 2015, right? And this is May, so they hadn't voted on on gay marriage yet. So it was kind of amazing for me to see these people coming through, mostly women, and they would walk down the aisle and they would see what all our pride flags and all our rainbows and everything on our table, and they would like steer clear of us and go across the aisle, even though we have the better swag. <laughs> and, you know, they would go across the aisle to where all the conservative Christian people were writing their books and whatever, even though they got, you know, male-female sex in their books. But that's okay, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I came home from that convention, and I sat down and I wrote a book called, called Buttermilk Ranch, which was based on this historic flood that they had in Houston while I was there, Houston and Austin area, while I was there. And I wrote the whole gay marriage, you know, thing and the big giant marches and everything into the into the book. So that was kind of fun. I mean, when you are able to express your views in that way. But I try to keep politics off my page. Um, I can't help myself when I when I actually write a book, sometimes stuff comes in. It's just I can't help it. Whatever. It's yeah. just it's me, you know. I've got a gay son. I and this is my family. I've got I write ethnic characters. I've got American um I've got Native American characters, I've got um Asian characters, I've got black characters, I've got Hispanic characters. I mean, you name it, I have written characters. One of my favorite um, characters that has been in probably 20 of my books is a black man who is an FBI agent. He's just amazing. Everybody loves him. So even in my FBI warning at the beginning of the book, which is this little blurb that I put about piracy, I put, you know, that if you pirate this book, Lincoln Snow will, will hunt you down, you know. <laughs> yeah. Do so, you, you have a story about a Canadian? I was just gonna ask. I actually don't have any Canadians. Oh, how could you miss that? <laughs> yeah, I'm just okay. Next, next book, I'll yeah. bring one in. Yeah, give Mike, give Mike a call. He's a, he's a character. I'll do that. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's pretty interesting. I, I um, so now, how much um, do you focus on the sex in the books? Like, is it an important part of the book, and is it a lot? And where do you get your ideas for that, being that you're not a male? Um, well, okay, first of all, let's, I'll unpack that. Yeah. The first part of that question, <laughs> yeah, the first part of that question is there's not a lot in the current book. Anything that I've written, the last 15, 16 books that I've written since, 2016 um, have had between three and four sex scenes in them, maybe five, because I had a wedding book in there. Um, and then, you know, those, some sex scenes are quick and some sex scenes are, you know, pages and pages and pages. It just depends on what it is. 
But like I said, I, I like to focus more on the story, more on the plot. Where do I get it from? Um, let's see. Pornhub and uh, Corbin Fisher is a great one. Uh, you know, I mean, I get it from from I'm a very visual person and I have a great imagination and I read. Like I said, I read and I listen and and hell, I've got a lot of gay friends. And trust me, they are not shy about oh. talking about their boyfriends. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, geez, I thought they, they would all be shy. Um. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so tell us, tell us about your new book. Okay, so now your book, um, Clean Up on Isle Mine. Now, first of all, it's a clever name. Uh, where did it come from? The title, and and what's the basic premise of the book? Okay, actually. There's you've heard of Breaking Bad, and there's this character um, Mike, who is the he's basically the cleaner. He he's the fixer. He's the he he's the ex cop who works for uh, a drug dealer, and he basically is an assassin and a a real bad guy. Right. Mike Urban basically my favorite character. Yeah. Yeah. So he he. I loved him so much in that series, and then also Better Call Saul, the, the spinoff from that series. So I thought, I want to write this guy. I really want to write him so bad. So I thought, I'll write a cleaner. And then I was like, I was sitting outside having a cigarette one day, and I'm going, let's see, clean, clean up, clean, clean up. Oh, well, clean up on aisle nine. Well, nope. I got to do clean up on aisle nine. How perfect is that? This is my cleaner. So. Basically, the story is about a guy who is a fixer. He's a cleaner. He cleans up other people's messes, and um, he's a former CIA agent, operative, and he has his own life is a mess. He's bisexual. His, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but his family is no longer with him, and um, now he's, he, and he's been basically celibate for five years, and all of a sudden, he's got, he takes a job. He's not working for the CIA anymore, but he's, he's working as a cleaner, a fixer. And he doesn't take jobs where anybody has to be assassinated, but he does everything short of that. So he takes a kidnapping job, and that's how he meets our other main character, Jude Chenoweth. So... Wow. That's where that came from. Do you, do, you, do you speak to a lot of cops and people to kind of get a, a rundown on, on how they um, interact or how they do investigations and stuff? Like, where, do, where does that come from? Like, do you, um, do you know any FBI people? Or just well, actually, there's a, there's a couple of organizations here in L.A., and I know that there are um, chapters all across the country. The um, Mystery Writers of America... And there's one down here in, in L.A. called the Sisters in Crime. Um, and they have conferences where they'll bring in an FBI agent and who will speak and allow you to answer questions or ask questions, and they'll answer them. And that way you get a lot of criminal procedure, and it's actually straight from the horse's mouth. So that's interesting. Um, I also do a lot of research before I start a book anything from Wikipedia to every article I can possibly read that I, to unwikify my brain after yeah. I've, you know, gone down that rabbit hole for a couple of days. Um, I had 
in my death and destruction series, which is my ATF series, I decided that book two was going to be a book about fireworks. I don't know why I decided that, but whatever. Um, I thought, who's written a book about fireworks? Well, I guess I would. I should, you know, because I'm an idiot. So I thought, how am I going to research this stuff? So I just got online and I started looking for organizations that handle fireworks. There has to be somebody, right? Well, they're all back east um, in the deep south. And so I finally got a guy from Norfolk, Virginia, who would talk to me about fireworks. And I sat down and talked with him for, and took copious notes for like three hours about, you know, what would cause a firework accident? How are fireworks, you know, set up? What If you were to have a fireworks accident, what, what would happen if somebody, you know, broke into a fireworks display and decided to, you know, set off rockets and shoot them into a crowd? What would happen? I mean, how would that happen? You know, what could go wrong? And so this guy sat down. He talked about everything from the placards, the, the, the trucks have to carry to the, you know, all the government inspections and all this stuff. He was awesome. And he goes, at the end of it, he says, can you, I said, can I send you what I've written, just this couple pages about this particular procedure so you can tell me if it's right? And he said, sure, no problem, Mayus. I'll do that, no problem. So I sent it off to him, and I didn't hear back from him, and I didn't hear back from him, and I kept emailing him, and I never heard from him, and I thought, wow, this guy was, like, so nice to me for, like, two days. I mean, two hours on the phone. So I pulled up the email that I sent him, and I realized that I had sent him not only that scene, but the scene before it, which was a full-on sex scene. You know, all out there, the guys bumping uglies, the whole nine yards. And I thought, no wonder this guy's not calling me back. I mean, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> so now, do you have a website for people to come find you at if they want to? They want to find your books and find out about you. I have a website. It's not updated. The best way to find me is probably on Amazon. And if they just type in Patricia Logan, it has all of my books in there, all the descriptions. At the end of each book, I put a list of all my books and what order they should be read in, because in some cases, like with, for example, the Death and Destruction series, the ATF series, that's got nine books, so it'll have an order that they should be read in, because it's the same two main characters that go throughout the books, and it's a continuation. And there's also a an underlying plot that doesn't get solved until the sixth book in that particular series, so they'll want to read those in order. Um, but yeah, Amazon honestly is the best place to find me. I'm also on Goodreads, obviously, and um, or they can just find me on authorpatricialogan.com. But like I said, I haven't updated it for about three months. Hmm. Okay. And so your new book comes out to July 7th, I believe, right? That's right. And that's the first book of a Spy Like Me series. Fantastic. We're going to have that up on our website as well. Did you have a favorite, you. favorite book or series that you wrote that is kind of like your baby that um, is special to you? Um, oh, they're all my precious little babies. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think uh, 
you know, right? I mean, when you write a book, you feel like you've just given birth, right? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Made I out. Yeah, I would. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't doesn't feel like that, but I couldn't t- really tell you what it feels like, so I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, it means you just finished this great project that's taken you a while. Yeah, there you go. There's, yeah. there's an analogy. Um, I think the Death and Destruction series is my favorite which obviously begins with a book called Death and Destruction. And then there's a spinoff of that series called the Thin Blue Line series. And then there's a spinoff of the spinoff called the Witsec series, W-I-T-S-E-C, which is, you know, the Witness Protection Program. So, um... Well, I was just like, if if someone was to say, you know, which, um, which book should I read by Patricia Logan? Like, which... If if someone was to, to ask you that question, which book should I get first? Uh, out of all the books you have, um, which one would you send them to? I would send them to Death and Destruction if they weren't if they weren't reading my new one, if they didn't want to read the right. new one. Only because it's a, it has a lot of moving parts, and all of my books do, but there's a lot of characters in those books that kind of build on each other, and there's they're so much fun. They're so action-packed. The mysteries are all fun. My guys are hilarious. Yeah. So I'd, I'd start off, I'd start them off with the Death and Destruction series. Oh, and we like moving parts, so that's... There you well. go. That's right. <laughs> well, this is great. Um, I, I appreciate you being here, and uh, it's been a very interesting conversation. And, and um, Thank you. Uh, hopefully people enjoy it. Um, Again, our um, interview has been with best-selling author Patricia Logan. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Patricia. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you! If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.